Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The latest from 7 News with Angela Cox. Good evening and welcome tonight. The major COVID restrictions easing right along the East Coast. Live to Greece for the lighting of the Winter Olympic flame and international vaccine passports available tomorrow, how they'll work. But first, let's take a look at the top stories this evening. Detectives from the Homicide Squad are tonight involved in the search for a four-year-old girl who went missing during a family camping trip in remote Western Australia. Cleo Smith was last seen early on Saturday morning. There are growing fears she may have been abducted. We'll go live to the search site in a moment. A trip home for Christmas is all but locked in tonight for Queenslanders in interstate hotspots. Fully vaccinated people will be allowed to travel to the Sunshine State without quarantining from the 17th of December. Anastasia Palaszczuk's roadmap for borders to reopen hinges on the state hitting vaccination targets. There will be different rules for the 70 and 80% thresholds and for overseas arrivals. Our reporter will break them down shortly. Major changes to isolation rules are on the way for Victorians as they count down the days to lockdown ending. Fully vaccinated close contacts will only need to spend seven days in isolation and restrictions around quarantine for international travellers are being tweaked too. Those details in a live report from Melbourne coming up. In the past couple of hours, we've seen the south of Tasmania come out of its snap lockdown. Twelve local government areas were under restrictions for three days after a COVID-positive New South Wales man allegedly fled hotel quarantine. Rules on aged care and hospital visits, as well as a mask mandate, remain until Friday. An inquiry has heard of Gladys Berejiklian's shock at learning of the corruption allegations levelled against her then-boyfriend, Daryl Maguire. In a video played to ICAC, the former New South Wales Premier says she had no suspicions and didn't know what to think when asked if she suspected Maguire had been engaged in corrupt conduct. And we're celebrating a fundraising record tonight. The Perth Telethon raised $62 million for dozens of charities helping sick children in Western Australia. The state government chipped in with a $10 million cheque. Every donation, big or small, makes a huge difference in the lives of those kids and their families. But more now on our top story. The urgent search for little Cleo Smith has taken a dark turn tonight with homicide detectives brought in. The four-year-old vanished from her family's tent early Saturday morning at a campsite 900 kilometres north of Perth. Reporter Ben Downey is covering this story for us. Ben, fears are growing that Cleo may have been abducted. 
Good evening, Ange. That's right. And the circumstances surrounding her death right now remain very much a mystery, besides the fact that really all we do know is it's really a race against the clock, given the circumstances of her disappearance when she went missing along with her sleeping bag. What we do know surrounding that disappearance is the family camping trip. They went on a trip around late Friday afternoon, early Friday evening. They put both girls to bed inside a family tent and they last saw both girls around 1.35 a.m. Saturday morning. By the time both parents woke up at 6, Cleo and her sleeping bag were missing with no trace of how she might have left. That's when the search really went into full swing. The parents recruited nearby campers who were at this blowholes camping site around 900 kilometres north of Perth and quickly they were joined by police, around two dozen SES personnel, the AMSAR jet with a thermal imaging camera and volunteer marine rescue. But so far across three days of searching, they haven't found a trace of where Cleo might have been. That's why homicide detectives as well as other detectives that have been flown in from Perth are grappling with the terrifying concept that Cleo likely has been abducted and they're pulling out all the stops. Every car that leaves this camping site is being checked and canvassed by police and they're also checking CCTV cameras at uh, service stations in around a thousand kilometre radius of Carnarvon, hopefully trying to find something to point to her disappearance. And Okay, Ben, so let's have a listen to what police and the local Shire president had to say earlier. We have got the best people we can investigating this and we are going to leave no stone unturned until we have some answers. There's a lot of hope, but at the same time there's some real deep sadness because as the time goes by, we're just hoping and praying and trying to remain positive that Cleo's going to come back. Okay, and Ben, you did refer to little Chloe's death. Uh, she has, at this stage, disappeared. We don't know what has happened to her. Uh, local residents have rallied together to help in the search and support Cleo's family. Yeah, that's one of the few good pieces of news to come out of this story, and the entire Carnarvon community, which is about 50 to 90 kilometres southwest, uh, southeast of this area, has rallied. They've been supporting everyone during the search and raised a massive $35,000 in donations to go towards SES crews on the ground to keep them searching for Cleo and actually paying for two private helicopter companies to conduct multiple sweeps of this area and those helicopters are around $1,100 an hour to, to power. So it, it's really a good piece of news. Sadly though, there's a cold front sweeping in so those eyes in the sky won't be able to be used from tonight and during tomorrow morning. And it also means in the case Cleo has wandered off and is still alive, her chance chances of survival will grow slimmer with that poor weather, Ange. Okay, Ben Downey for us. Thanks so much. The Queensland Government has this afternoon announced its plan to reopen the border to interstate and overseas arrivals, reuniting families separated for months on end. Here's the Premier speaking earlier. We know that the world is a big place and there are families across Australia and there are families across the world. And people have been telling me how they miss seeing their uncles, their aunts, their mothers, their fathers, their children. This is really important that we unite Queenslanders, but we do it in the safest way. So we are going to try and minimise the risk. Reporter Georgie Chumley has the latest from Brisbane on this. Georgie, take us through the timeline. 
Good evening, Angel. Queenslanders are certainly very excited about this announcement. It'll all hinge on vaccination rates here in Queensland. 70%, 80% and 90%. Now, once we hit 70% vaccination rates, which is expected around the 19th of November in a month, people coming from interstate, from hotspots, will be able to home quarantine as long as they've had a negative COVID test and, of course, as long as they're vaccinated. Once we hit 80% double, vac double dose vaccination rates, that's when people from interstate, even from hotspots, will be able to come into Queensland without having to quarantine at all. Again, as long as they're vaccinated, they will need as well that negative COVID test. And for overseas arrivals, they'll be able to home quarantine, which is a major game changer. We don't have an estimated date for the 90% double vaccination rate, but when that happens, international arrivals will be able to come to Australia and, of course, Queensland, be able to move around freely. They won't need to quarantine but that won't apply to people who aren't vaccinated. They'll still need to hotel quarantine for 14 days. OK, and Georgie, is this expected to speed up vaccination uptake in Queensland, which has been a little slow? It's certainly hope that it will. It's no secret that because we've been closed off from the rest of the country, that's bred some complacency here. People have thought that COVID won't affect them, can't affect them, but being given these, given these hard border reopening dates, they certainly have some warning and time to go out and get vaccinated. It's anticipated that they will. And Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk said, even if we don't reach those uh, double-dose vaccine rates, the 70 and the 80 on the 19th of November and the 17th of December, the borders will open anyway. So it's a warning to those people who haven't yet gotten vaccinated. They've got a little bit of time to do it before COVID almost certainly comes into Queensland, but also plenty of our family and friends that we haven't been able to see for so long. It'll be a sweet reunion. Thanks so much, Georgie. The end is in sight for Melbourne residents with their sixth lockdown about to be lifted. There are big changes coming for the fully vaccinated regarding isolation rules and hotel quarantine. Estelle Greerpink is covering developments for in Melbourne. Uh, Estelle, run us through these changes. Well, and new rules are coming in on Friday and they include that if you are an adult who is fully vaccinated, you no longer need to quarantine for 14 days if you're classed as a primary close contact. Now you only need to quarantine for seven days, but you do need to be fully vaccinated and not living with a positive case. This is big news, Ange, because a lot of people have been affected by these 14-day quarantines, not just individuals, but businesses as well, who have had to close for deep cleans over the last 18 months and have all of their staff isolate as well. Let's take a listen to what our COVID commander has had to say. I'm delighted to, to minimise the impact, um, not only on the individuals, of course, with, uh, with over 60,000 primary close contacts caught up um, in these positive cases that will also really, I think, significantly help uh, businesses as they start to resume operations as we see a reduced impact of workplace exposure. And Ange, in another sign we're getting back to normal from Friday, we'll also see other rule changes, including that we won't be having hotel quarantine for much longer. If you're an international traveller coming into Victoria, at some stage we're expecting that that will become home quarantine instead. And Estelle, it's back to school for Victoria's youngest. How did day one go for prep students? 
Oh, Ange, they loved it today and they were very excited indeed. But it really wasn't so much about learning today, but getting the kids back into the classroom, feeling familiar with the classroom and rebuilding some of their friendships as they've been learning online at home for so long. Masks aren't required for our preppies, but they are recommended for kids in grade three and above. And the preps will be joined by other students later in the week. We're expecting grades five, six, seven, 11 and 10 to get back to school on Friday. And yeah, it'll be quite an adjustment. Okay, thanks so much. The latest round of relaxed COVID restrictions are tonight in force across New South Wales and perhaps the most eagerly anticipated change is the return to school for the state's youngest and oldest. One of those doing the drop-off, father of six, soon to be seven, Premier Dominic Perrottet. Paul, uh, many of our children have gone through a very difficult time not being able to interact and play with their friends. Uh, to be back in the classroom is an exciting day. Um, for kids and for teachers and particularly for parents as well. Tom Saker joins us with the details in Sydney. Tom, who was back in class? Well, Ange, it was a huge day for students in kindergarten, year one and year 12, all able to return to school today for the first time in 17 weeks. It's been an incredibly difficult time for those students who were finally able to reunite with their classmates and teachers today. Obviously, a difficult time for teachers and parents as well who've shouldered a particularly heavy load, all those hours behind the computer screen. All the other students will be uh, able to return to school next week. But so far, more than 90% of teachers have been vaccinated vaccinated along with a huge portion of students as well. Now, these new found freedoms today do come with heavy uh, COVID strings. Uh, that includes COVID safety plans, more ventilation in classrooms, staggered timetables to minimise the risk of crowding during meal times, and also students who are vaccinated will and deemed close contacts in the event of a positive case will have to isolate for seven days, 14 days for those students who are unvaccinated. Now, the government has said that they do expect uh, to shut schools down and go through deep cleans if there is a positive COVID case, but they will deal with it case by case. But certainly a huge day. Uh, I also should say that st uh, students uh, between uh, year 7 and 12 and teachers and staff will have to wear masks at all time. And there is a deadline for teachers and staff to get vaccinated before November 8. But a huge day and a great day. And it will be looking much more normal this time next week when all students will finally be able to return to school, Ange. Yeah, I think they'll be pretty happy to be there. And Tom, tell us about the new rules now that the state's hit 80% Double dosed. Yeah, uh, another yeah big step forward for New South Wales today. One of the major rule changes that perhaps we uh, certainly took for granted pre-COVID was that. Sydney siders can now stand and drink at a pub or club or a restaurant. I'll also run you through some of those other changes. Capacity has doubled at outdoor hospitality venues. Dancing is now allowed inside and outside. And visitors to the home has now been lifted to 20 and 50 people can now gather outside. Uh, Masks are no longer required in offices and community sport is finally back. Of course, all of these changes today come with uh, warnings that cases will rise sharply over the next few weeks. And that's despite New South Wales recording just 265 cases today, the lowest in 11 weeks, Ange. OK, thanks so much, Tom Saker. 
Tomorrow, the Coalition Party Room will sit down as it struggles to agree on a plan for net zero emissions by 2050. The Prime Minister is adamant he'll take that policy to the Climate Summit in Glasgow with or without the support of the Nationals. He says the final decision will be made within Cabinet if the Coalition can't agree. Here he is speaking in Parliament today. The government's decision on the government's commitments for Australia in relation to COP26 will be made by the government in Cabinet, Mr Speaker, in Cabinet. That's where it will be made. Let's bring in political reporter Jennifer Beshwadi. Jen, still no agreement. No, Ange, the Nats are certainly taking their time on this. They say they won't be rushed into signing an agreement that some believe will leave the regions worse off. Two party room meetings in two days. Lots of discussion, but also lots of confusion about what the policy actually means. There are some within the Nationals uh, that are a hard no, so they won't be, they won't change their mind. Uh, they don't believe in net zero by 2050. There are others, though, that believe that that policy uh, is the right path forward. So it is really about finding that balance. However, as we heard from the Prime Minister there, even if the coalition party room doesn't unite on this, he will still take that policy to Glasgow, claiming that if he doesn't do that, then it will damage our standing within the international community. Anne? Yeah, he's in a bind. So, Jen, the coalition party room meets tomorrow. What are we expecting to come from that? Well, I'm told not much at this stage, Ange. Uh, the Prime Minister will put his case to the Coalition. Um, some Nats uh, will have the opportunity to ask the Prime Minister some questions about the policy and uh, he'll be able to answer them, uh, as will Barnaby Joyce. But I'm told don't expect any fireworks. The Prime Minister will try to unite the party room, not just for Glasgow, but there's an election coming up. So... All of the uh, MPs will need to sell this policy to the people, Andrew. Mm, okay, thanks so much, Jen. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. In a matter of hours, Australians will be able to download an international travel certificate to prove they are fully vaccinated. Network Finance Editor Gemma Acton joins me with more details on this. So Gemma, this is basically a vaccine passport to travel. So how will it work and how do we get one? <laughs> so if you are an Australian passport holder or visa holder and you've been vaccinated, so that means you'll be on the Australian Immunisation Register, you can download one either through um, Medicare Express or through MyGov. And what it effectively is, is a QR code on a certificate uh, and that will allow you to leave Australia and come back into Australia with regards to vaccine requirements and there are 145 countries around the world which will also accept it. Now the trouble is is that every country has its own system for accepting different proofs of vaccination but this is one that will get you pretty far. Nonetheless still check with any country you're planning on going to before you go because there might be other things they also need to see and this particular uh, vaccine passport you can either get a digital version or a paper version. If you do have the digital version, you can also download it uh, to be compatible with 
other travel apps? Like there are some international travel apps as well, which just facilitate your travel around the place. Okay, we've been reporting a lot on the thousands of Aussies stranded overseas. Well, they need these to get back in the country. So we don't even know if they're able to get them at this point because to get on this Australian immunisation register, you need to have an Australian healthcare professional enter your vaccination details. And so if you've been vaccinated overseas, that won't have happened. So that is just one of the many things that will need to be cleared up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, bigger question is, what happens to all the people who are coming from many different countries overseas who've had many different types of vaccines and many different types of proof? Uh, that hasn't quite been resolved yet, so uh, a lot of questions still to be answered. And on that, there is some controversy about which vaccines are going to be recognised here in Australia. Yeah, so one cause of concern for a lot of Australians for the last few months has been AstraZeneca. Anybody who's had the AstraZeneca vaccine, which has not been recognised still in the US by the drug agency, the FDA, would Australians be able to go into the US if they'd only been vaccinated with AstraZeneca? About 10 days ago, there was a decision from the government that anything that has been authorised by the World Health Organisation would be acknowledged as fine for international travellers, so absolutely fine for any Australians who've had AstraZeneca to go. With regards to coming into this country, it's up to the federal and state governments which um, vaccines are approved. They do take advice from the Therapeutic Goods Administration, TGA, it's not binding, but it's advice. Um, as we know, the TGA has uh, approved Pfizer, AstraZeneca, Moderna and Johnson & Johnson. They've also passed judgment on six of the other most common ones from overseas. Three from China, uh, Sinovac, they said they recognise, Sinopharm, they do not recognise, and one called CanSino, which they have not yet uh, reached a con conclusive decision on yet. They've looked at two from India, one they recognise, one they say they have not made a decision yet, and then Russia's Sputnik V, which they say they have not made a decision on yet. So this is very much a moving feast. Yeah, it sounds like a nightmare. Now, we have also had a lot of movement on our international border since sort of Friday. Uh, New South Wales opening up from the 1st of November, scrapping the arrivals caps, scrapping hotel quarantine and even home isolation. We've also today heard from the Queensland government about when they'll be letting in overseas arrivals. So where does this lead the airlines? Have they been increasing their routes to Australia? This is obviously great news for the airlines because they've had so much uncertainty and this gives uh, quite a bit more certainty about dates uh, at a minimum. So we saw Singapore Airlines respond very quickly. They're raising their flights from seven a week to 17 a week, which is about 5,000 extra seats as of the start of next month. We haven't seen a whole scale movement yet by other airlines and that is because there is still so much uncertainty. It's not clear what role airlines are expected to play in monitoring people who arrive with regards to their vaccine status. So we should expect to see it, but the last thing that airlines want at a time when fuel is so expensive is to keep flying flights that might be full one way and empty the other way. Now, there has been really significant demand uh, in recent days. We've seen that as soon as Australians heard they could go overseas, searches for travel has gone through the roof, particularly really popular flights, London, LA, that type of thing. Um, so we would expect more to come on soon, but there's just too many question marks to have seen a real uptick yet. Okay, thanks so much, Deb. Thanks, Andrew. The lighting of the Winter Olympic torch is underway right now ahead of next year's Games in Beijing. Europe Bureau Chief Hugh Whitfield is in ancient Olympia and joins me live. Hugh, talk us through the ceremony.
Well, and fortunately, it's sunny here in Greece today, and that means it didn't take long for the high priestess, Xanthi Giorgio, to get the flame lit the traditional way in front of the ancient temple of Hera in the, ruin, uh, the ruins of ancient Olympia. Just a couple of minutes ago, uh, the flame lit to begin the countdown officially for Beijing 2022. And right now, you can see some live pictures as the flame arrives into the ancient stadium here in ancient Olympia, where the Olympians compete two and a half thousand years ago, continuing that tradition, that link between Greece and the modern summer games and, of course, the winter games. Beijing becoming the first uh, city to host both versions of the games. So a traditional start to the countdown to Beijing uh, in front of dignitaries here. No members of the public uh, due to the pandemic. The IOC president, Thomas Bach, leading the delegation from the IOC, the Greek Olympic Committee and, of course, those organisers from Beijing who are here as well. It's always a good show. And the 2020 Tokyo Torch Relay had to be significantly altered due to COVID. Will the pandemic impact this relay? Yes, it already has. Look, uh, as you say, Tokyo was ju finished just 10 weeks ago. Already we're lighting another flame here. No members of the public allowed in. That is in part due to the pandemic. And you can see the crowd is socially distanced at those that are allowed into the ancient stadium as well. And then it's a fairly truncated... Big long relay around Greece. That's not happening this year. It's heading straight to Athens tonight where it'll spend the night at the Acropolis uh, and then be handed over to those Beijing organisers at the uh, stadium in Athens tomorrow. So it'll quickly move on from Greece. Uh, the IOC says it's all down to the pandemic. They are keen to avoid controversy on the road as well with some protests expected. Uh, regarding China's human rights record. But the IOC is brushing all that aside and hoping that this all goes off without a hitch uh, with the Beijing Games due to take place in February next year. Ange. OK, well, thank you for bringing us all those pictures as they're happening. Hugh Whitfeld for us in Greece. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. Before we go, a look at the race to vaccinate and we've passed Israel, one of the world's leading countries, on the number of first doses administered nationwide. Here's how it stands. In the past 24 hours, more than 159,000 vaccines were received. It takes the national toll to more than 32.6 million. That puts us on track to hit the first reopening target of 70% double dose this Wednesday. The 80% mark should follow on the 1st of November. Thank you for your company this evening. From the team here at 7 News, that is the latest. I'm Angela Cox. Good night.